Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we're going to have a chat with Christina Sikiotis, who's the project manager of Create and Innovate at Hunter Tafe. And of course, we're going to be looking at some rules for innovation there. Also going to have a chat with Brett Gleeson from the Business Growth Centre about the importance of business awards and particularly the Lake Macquarie Business Awards there. But right now, we're going to cross over and have a chat with Rebecca McKenzie from Baker Love Lawyers. Good afternoon, Rebecca. Good afternoon, Julian. And thanks for joining us again. And we're going to look at employment law, but particularly the, the aspect of termination. So, so could you tell our listeners why it's important to follow proper process in relation to termination of employment? Yes, Julian. Well, basically the processes in relation to terminating an employee do require an understanding of a wide range of legal issues and other obligations on an employer. So there can be no doubt that the decision to terminate an employee is usually a very significant one, um, both in terms of the effect on the employee and the business generally. So as employers would be aware, it can be very difficult to make the decision to terminate an employee. However, situations can and do often arise where the contract of employment cannot continue uh, for reasons such as poor performance by an employee or a downturn in business, which is commonly referred to as a redundancy. So because the area of termination is highly regulated by law, knowing the legal risks and obligations is, is really essential for any business. So what are some of the actions that might be taken against an employer after terminating employment? Are there different types? Yes, there are, Julian. There, there are different types of actions that are available depending upon the reason for the termination and the way in which the termination was carried out. Um, so there are several different types of actions which employers may access. So, of course, like any contract, a contract of employment can be terminated just in accordance with the general terms of the contract by either party. Um, if there is a breach of the contract, then one party may be able to sue the other party for damages. However, what I'm going to talk about today relates to what may happen after termination in terms of actions that are available under the Fair Work Act. And listeners may have heard of applications by employees for such things like unfair dismissal or general protections disputes. Well, well tell us a little bit about uh, unfair dismissal then. Sure. The unfair dismissal laws in Australia apply to a significant number of employees and, and the general position at law is that employees are given fairly broad protection from having their employment unfairly terminated. So it's a good starting point to consider firstly uh, whether or not an employee is covered by unfair dismissal laws. So that is whether the employee is eligible to access this jurisdiction. So for example, an employee who earns over a certain amount of income, um, which is currently $118,000, a little bit over $118,000 actually, or who has not been employed for a qualifying period of time, they'll generally not be able to access unfair dismissal. Mm. Um, But having said that, employers need to be careful to follow certain steps if they are moving to terminate somebody, uh, for example, for conduct or capacity to perform the job issues, um, because termination may still be deemed to be unfair or harsh or unjust 
if, for example, the employee is not notified of the reasons for their dismissal and not given an adequate opportunity to respond, and there are also certain obligations on an employer to allow an employee to have a support person present during any termination meeting. So if that's not allowed, then an employee may say that they've been unfairly terminated. Um, the other important thing, Julian, for small business owners is to be aware that there is some protection for small business employers. Now, um, that's classified as an entity who employs less than 15 workers. Um, now, there's protection in two main respects. So, firstly, an employee will have to be working for a small business for more than 12 months before they're able to access the unfair dismissal regime and in addition there's the small business fair dismissal code which some of your listeners may have heard of and that actually is a guide setting out certain steps that employers must follow in relation to termination and if an employer does follow those steps then that can provide some evidence and protection for an employer in defending an unfair dismissal claim. Now, now you mentioned about other remedies that employees may access, what would they be? Yep. Well, the remedy that all employees can generally access, regardless of their level of income or how long they've been working for an employer, is what is called a general protections claim. Now, this type of claim is actually very broad, and it can even be commenced by an employee who hasn't been terminated, but believes that their employer has breached one of these general protection provisions. So, in, in general terms, the general protections provisions cover things like discrimination in the workplace, um, so acting adversely or negatively against someone because of their race or their sexual preference or their religion, and that's just to name a few of the reasons set out in the Fair Work Act. Um, also, the general protections provisions protect what is called the workplace right, and this has a very broad meaning under the Fair Work Act. So, for example, if an employee has an entitlement under a modern award or a workplace law and they raise that entitlement, if the employer then takes adverse action against them, then this could be a breach of a workplace right. So a good example of that is an employee raising an issue in relation to an unsafe work practice, for example, and then being treated adversely because they raise that issue. Um, also, it's important to note that an employer cannot generally dismiss a worker because they're temporarily absent from work due to illness or injury. This could also breach the general protections. So, so some employee, employers uh, tie in uh, restraint of trade uh, on intermination. What does that mean? Well, the restraint of trade provisions that are available to employers are very closely tied to termination issues because certain obligations on employees during their employment survive the end of their employment, so they survive the termination. And an example of this is a restraint of trade clause. So in very basic terms, and, and I'll limit this to post-employment restraints, Julian, because mm -hmm. there are other restraints that can be in place throughout employment, but I'll just concentrate on what can happen after termination. So a restraint is basically a contractual term restricting the activities of an employee after their contract has 
come to an end. Um, so at law generally, once an employment relationship is over, um, an employee is free to compete with their former employer unless they are bound by a valid restraint of trade. It's important to keep in mind too that in New South Wales there's also an Act of Parliament that deals with restraints. Um, but as a very general rule, restraints relating to um, non-competition are unenforceable. They're void basically at law unless they satisfy a test of reasonableness. So they need to be drafted in terms of what is actually reasonable to protect the legitimate business interests of the employer. So things like valuable things like goodwill, um, confidential information and trade secrets of customers can generally be protected. So, so just give us a little bit more of uh, what are considered determining what is reasonable. Well, what needs to be kept in mind in relation to reasonableness is that a restraint must be limited in relation to um, the time of the restraint, so how long it's going to actually be in place for, um, the geographical location and the extent of the restraint. So, for example, it may be reasonable to restrict the activities of an employee for a period of three months or six months or nine months within a certain radius um, or so many kilometres from the place of business and for certain activities, but it needs to be based upon the particular status of the employee. So it's very important to draft the restraints individually for each employee, taking into account things like their position and their role within the organisation because, for example, it's considered more reasonable to restrict, say, a high-level executive um, who has access to highly confidential information and is very closely involved with customers and clients as against another employee who does not have such a level of access and involvement. Mm. Mm. Um, so there was actually a recent case where a restraint of 7.5 kilometres, which is a fairly small distance, for a period of six months was held to be unenforceable for the employer as it related to a tightly knit section of real estate agencies because it was seen to be too anti-competitive. And that's not meant to be the, the point of these restraints. However, in contrast, a very recent federal court case held that a restraint of nearly two years post-employment was reasonable, and that was for a high-end executive. Mm. So there are many factors to consider in drafting these types of clauses um, in order to get the best effect from them. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time again, Rebecca. Uh, we'll have a chat with you another time. Thank you for having me, Julian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Rebecca McKenzie there from Baker Love Lawyers, helping us to just, you know, if you're going to have to terminate someone, make sure you keep within the law. It's 24 minutes past one. You're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. Time to have a chat with Brett Gleeson at the Business Growth Centre. Good afternoon, Brett. Yeah, hi, Julian. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and a very interesting subject today, business awards. Why, why should I consider a business award? Well, I guess the first thing to consider is, is you know, are they suitable for your business? Are they the right sort of match for your business and do they have some credibility? You know, there are, I guess, what I call serious awards and there are some popularity awards and you have to wonder whether the popularity awards actually do have a lot of value if they're only about sort of popularity and, and that. So if we consider the, the serious awards, which are generally awards around about um, excellence, then are they a good match for you and do you meet the criteria? And you know, by entering them, what, what will you get out of it? So, uh, Johnny, you get a chance to have a good look at your own business against some uh, criteria. 
and have a look at that. And then if you go into the, the, the process, then you're going to be you know, um, putting yourself up, up against uh, other businesses and uh, yeah, will you stand up in, uh, amongst the crowd? Uh, and uh, So, yeah, I think you consider that what's the benefit back to you and, and uh, you know, will you gain something from it? Would the business gain something from it? And uh, the general answer is if you take it seriously uh, and they are credible type of business awards, then... Uh, then you should actually, uh, you know, uh, consider going for them. So you've touched on a few of the benefits there. Let's just have a look at them a little bit more. Obviously, you, the, the the excellence ones that you're talking about, you yep. really uh, have to basically do a business plan and, and, and really look into your business, don't you? Yeah, you really have to look at... The only business excellence awards are matched to a criteria. Uh, they say what they're looking for. And you've got to look at your look at your your business in light of the, that category, uh, and then match match it up. And, and you're really you're convincing a panel of usually about three people that you know, your business is a good sound business in, in, and matches against the criteria. Mm. And they they'll say yeah, and these ones match better than others, and therefore you'll have a winner and uh, some you know, some finalists, I guess, in the pack. So yeah, it's it's, it's about um, that value is is really in doing a bit of soul-searching for yourself, that, that helps uh, in your business to look at a good series uh, at your business. But you also, you get to see who the competition is. Mm. Uh, you get to see what standard they have set uh, for, uh, for their business and what they've achieved. And if you become a finalist, well, then that's good for your publicity. And if you actually become a winner, then that's a, that's a, a real bonus in the sense mm. that you can actually say you've achieved a benchmark. And there's some um, confidence in that, that you've actually achieved uh, uh, against your peers uh, and you're considered to you know, be uh, better than the others against that criteria. Uh, and you know, there's some good publicity and some good credentials that can come from that. And the Business Growth Centre has recently been involved in organising the Lake Macquarie Business Awards. Yeah, yeah, it's something we, we're doing uh, in partnership with the business chambers uh, here in Lake Macquarie. It's, it's, I guess, a part of our um, motivation uh, for the centre is to is to focus on excellence and get businesses to focus on that. And we want to promote the the, the notion of being good at what you do and being excellent at what you do in your business. And, and we want to provide an opportunity for businesses in Lake Macquarie to actually showcase their excellence. We know that this is a great city for doing business, and we have some excellent businesses here. And we want to showcase that, and and also mm. celebrate it, and a chance mm. to recognise mm. those who are uh, who are actually achieving that. So, we've got the awards, the nominations are now open, uh, and they're on the website, which is uh, if you do a Google on Lake Macquarie Business Excellence Awards, it's lmbea.com.au. Thirteen categories plus three major awards, uh, and. Uh, the dinner is on the 31st of, uh, sorry, 21st of July, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, the award nominations close on the 31st of this month. So okay. you've just got a month to get those. Mm. The, the entry forms are there and the judging criteria are all on the website and uh, we're looking forward to lots of nominations so people can actually showcase their, their, business. Uh, their, ex- their excellence. Yeah. Well, that leads us into next week because we're going to talk about the excellence in your business next week. We are, yes. Thank so that, you. That'll be a good, good, uh, good follow-on. Talk to you then. Thank you. Great. Bye-bye. Thanks, Julian. Bye. Uh, Brett Gleeson there from the Business Growth Centre. Yes, those business awards, apart from an accolade, do, do get you soul-searching your business. Well, now it's time to have a look at our Minute on Innovation with Christina Sikiotis for Project Manager of Create and Innovate at the Hunza TAFE. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. And you're out there filming this afternoon, I hear. 
We are. We're filming the, some of the wonderful student award winners from Hunter Tafe. So we're going to look at rules for innovation. Tell us about some rules. Oh, well, Julian, I was listening to Bill Gates talk about philanthropy, education and innovation last night and the closing comment by the announcer was to draw more people into thinking big and outside the square, we must change how we teach. Julian, in my opinion, I think that means teaching everyone from school children to pensioners that it's okay to make mistakes and take a chance. Of course, the best risk takers are those who have nothing to lose. Amy Cosper, Editor-in-Chief of Entrepreneur, opens her May Editor's Note with rules. I've never met one I liked. Of course, I instantly fell in love with her thinking. We took our children camping a few years ago and the place was full of signs that said, don't, don't run, don't ride bikes, don't make a noise. We were looking for a sign that said, don't have fun. There's a couple of entrepreneurs with colourful stories of breaking rules. Sarah Blakely is the founder, CEO of Spanx, a hosiery brand. She launched the brand for her, from her home and it's now worth more than a billion dollars. Neiman, the department store in the US, agreed to stop Spanx, but it had it tucked up the back of the store. Sarah went to Target, bought shelving, and moved her product in front of the registers. The only reason she was caught out was because of the closed-circuit television. Richard Branson talks about the intrapreneur, entrepreneur's little brother. An intrapreneur is an employee given freedom and financial support to create new products and systems without having to follow company protocols and routines. Jack Dorsey, founder of Twitter, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook... Stephen Jobs were all risk takers and all broke rules. They challenged the status quo and they jumped outside the square. And yeah, you're certainly right. You've uh, highlighted a number of those ago, people who break the rules and have made great successes out of them. Absolutely. And uh, in a couple, next week we're going to talk about the innovation uh, week coming up, aren't we? So that'll, we that'll be an exciting time. Well, thanks very much for your time again, Christina, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Julian. Have thanks. a great week. Bye-bye. Christina Sikiotis there from uh, Hunter Tafe. Those rules for innovation. And uh, I believe there's an interesting uh, a, uh, st- story on Steve Jobs on you know, ABC this evening. So uh, you won't be able to have a look and see how he broke those rules. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you enjoyed the program. We've looked at the importance of uh, getting your process right if you have to terminate someone. And those business awards from... Uh, Lake Macquarie there and the opportunity of showcasing your business. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, I'm going to have a chat with David Sheeran from WorkCover about uh, using volunteers. And we'll have a look at the excellence in your business with Brett Gleeson from the Business Growth Centre. And as we said, another minute on innovation with Christina Sikiotis. I'd love your company at the same time for business, the law and you. And until then, have a safe and prosperous week. And as Confucius once said, a superior man is modest in his speech, but exceeds in his actions. <laughs>